You're listening to Resurrection South Austin, a community of faith, learning to do life together in the goodness of God. For more information, you can find us online at resaustin.com. In the name of God, the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 Y'all have a seat. Good morning, Resurrection. Good morning. Good morning, everybody. Man, it's uh, with the room all spread open like this, you guys are everywhere. I got to go from here all the way over here. To, all right. I'll get used to it. Well, hey, this morning is a special morning. We're starting off, um, this, is, this is kind of the home stretch of Ordinary Time. Before we come to Christ our King, the last big party of the year, and then we enter into Advent. There's a lot happening in Advent. I won't tell you about it now, but I'm excited. As we enter into this last stretch of Ordinary Time, we're going to be doing a series called Thy Kingdom Come. And this is wonderful. We're going to be looking at these prophets in the Old Testament and the ways in which they're preparing us for the one who is coming in power to sit on the throne in our lives, in the world, in the cosmos, Christ the King. So we're going to be listening to the warnings and the messages of our prophets that are coming up. Guys like Isaiah and Haggai and Daniel and Jeremiah, all these folks. So we're going to be digging into that. Um, You'll see those coming up in the readings. God sees those who don't obey. And we're really good as human beings of like playing the part and faking it. And so God has to send messengers like these folks, these prophets, to kind of slap us around a little bit and go, who do you think you're fooling? That's basically, and so when we look at that and we look at the world, basically the only thing that comes to mind really is our prayer is the prayer that the Lord gave us. Jesus, may your kingdom come. Would you, would you like straighten this out? Would you straighten this out? And the prophets have come to say, God is paving a way to straighten all of this out. So as we enter the season of ordinary time, this last stretch, we're going to be praying, God, let your kingdom come in our lives and in the world. So that's, that's where we're, and that's, you know, I mean, think about what's going on right now in terms of the world. This is a really great prayer to be praying, don't you think? Especially election season. God, may your kingdom come. Well, when I ask, uh, when I was a kid, actually, and maybe, and kids, I'm curious if you've ever pulled this. I don't want to give you any ideas, but this is just an illustration, okay? I was a pretty clever kid in not great ways sometimes. When my mom, she would ask me, Sean, go take a shower. Because right, your parents tell you, have to tell you, go take a shower. Because if you're a kid, you're not going to take a shower on your own, right? You'd go like a month before taking a shower. It's unnecessary. But our, our parents tell us, go take a shower. My mom would say, go take a shower. And I loathed, I just really hated taking a shower because of the time lost in the shower. I could be playing video games. I could be still playing outside with my buddies. Why do I got to take a shower? So I was clever and I would go to the shower and I would do, I would set like record time shower taking experience. Um, but I wouldn't actually ever take a shower. I'd go in there, turn on the water, you know, let it run a little bit, get that sound, kind of put my hand in there, make it sound like somebody's in the shower. Maybe wet my hair a little bit, wet my hair a little bit, turn on the fan, brush my teeth or something, let the water run for a little bit more, turn it off, come out of the shower. Ah, that was a great shower. Say that out loud a few times. Maybe somebody here. Dry off your hair a little bit. Not too much, but just dry off a little bit. Come out of the shower with the towel on. Be like, I'm done. Go into your room, get your stuff done. And it's like quick, right? And I would do that. And my mom, every time, I don't know how, I could never, ever get away with that. I'd walk out of there and somehow she knew that I actually didn't take a shower. And one time she caught me the first time. She said, do you think that you can fool me? It was that moment where I I thought, you know, I was doing pretty good and I had no idea she was on to me. But she stopped me right with those mom eyes, those laser beam eyes and said, do you think you can fool me? Who do you think you're kidding? Get in there and take a shower. And so I had to go back in there and now it took me twice as long. So it was even worse, right? 
the shower time was twice as long as it needed to be, and I, uh, I had to do it again, and I had to kind of deep clean and actually like bathe myself, and get that kid stink off of me. As a parent, that is a really a real thing, kids. You stink sometimes, you gotta take a shower, so do that. <laughs> By the way, I didn't, I didn't smell it when I was a kid. Yeah, let's get it. Kid stink. I didn't smell it when I was a kid, but I do now. Well, in our reading in Isaiah today, people, the people of God were doing things like taking a fake shower. They were doing things to make it look like they were Christian or godly people. They were doing the, the outward activities of what it looks like to, to look clean on the inside. On the outside, they were, they were faking it. We're clean, look. We wear nice robes, we have all these festivals, we wave around incense, we have all these bloody sacrifices all over the altar. Look, God, we're clean. But God knew what was really going on. And the inside, they were dirty and filthy. The way they were living their lives was nothing like that outward expression that they had. So God sent a prophet. He sent a messenger. I'm on to you. Do you think you can fool me with all of this activity? This is what Isaiah is saying in, in chapter 1, verse 10. Let's, let me read this for us again. Verse 10 starts this way. Hear the word of the Lord, you rulers of Sodom. Listen to the teaching of our God, you people of Gomorrah. By the way, there, that's like when it comes to accusations, that's about as low as it gets when you're compared to Sodom and Gomorrah. The rulers and the people both being indicted here. What to me is the multitude of your sacrifices, says the Lord. Sodom and Gomorrah were cities that God had destroyed because of their wickedness. Not just because they were exceptionally wicked, but they paraded around their evil and their wickedness as if it was like good. They had called uh, good what was evil. The bad things in the world, they were celebrating it. They were parading it around as if it was something to be uh, accepted, standard, normal. Does that sound familiar? No, that just happened back then. It doesn't happen anymore, right? This is totally what's happening. Israel started down that same path, that same path of parading sin like Sodom and Gomorrah did. But God, he was the, the God who saved them from slavery in Egypt. He's the one who rescued them from death and evil and sin and all of those things that they were heading right back toward. So he gave them the law and said, look, I've saved you. Remember that I've saved you. I've rescued you. Remember the Exodus? Remember that? Yeah, that was my doing. Now here's the law. This is, the, this is what it looks like to behave and live in such a way that tells the story that you have been saved by Yahweh, the one who brought you through the Red Sea. Listen to the law, obey the law. Then there came the ways that God gave his people to worship. This is what it looks like to worship God gave them as people who would tell the story of the Exodus that they've been saved from Egypt and slavery and redeemed and brought into the promised land. Here's the law. Here's your acceptable ways of worship. And not just rituals, not just motions, but sacrifices, appointed feasts. You're going to party at this time, you're going to party at this time, and you're going to party at this time. This is what God had given his people. Incense. I mean, tons of incense. I know some of y'all like incense, allergies. Hey, God loves incense, apparently, if you read the Bible. Um, and he told his people to burn incense, like lots of it. Why all that? So that they would remember the way to live and the way to worship in such a way that told the story that God was the one who redeemed them out of slavery in Egypt. Remember who saved you. Well, now, it sounds like in Isaiah's message, 
All of that's being turned upside down. All of those sacrifices that God was saying, this is, this is good, I want you to offer sacrifices, I want you to give these offerings, I want this incense, all these festivals, all these things now in Isaiah's message have become repulsive to God, disgusting, filthy. All the things that God had once commanded them to do were now the very things that God is saying, these things I hate. How is that? Did God change his mind? Well, what happened here? My soul hates. That's, when God says my soul hates, that's, like, that's pretty strong language, right? That's in verse 14. They have become a burden to me, this stuff that you guys are doing. Even today at church, I mean, if I could have my druthers, we'd be like incense and all that kind of stuff. But we have festivals, we have parties, we have our coffee festival after the service, you know. At the altar, we talk about the sacrifice of the lamb. Are all these things like bad? Or should we listen to Isaiah and get rid of these things? Are these the problem? If we throw away all these things, the robes and all the, the procession, is this us parading around and faking things? It, should we get rid of all that and that will fix our problem? Is that what God's saying through his prophet? Let me take this a step further. Let's, let's try this out. For example, look at verse 15, the very next verse. When you stretch out your hands, Isaiah is saying, when you people, when you stretch out your hands, I will hide my eyes from you, says God. Even though you make many prayers, I will not listen. So we should probably stop stretching out our hands and stop praying, right? Isn't this what God is saying? No. A better question, what God's getting at through his prophet God is hiding his eyes from them and muting their prayers. Why? Because, verse 15 carries on, your hands are full of blood. Which is a play, I think, on not only the sacrificial system, hands full of blood, but your hands are full of the wrong kind of blood, actually. Not the blood of sacrifices, not the things that God wants to see, but the blood that comes from your disobedience, from the, the blood that comes from saying, we're not going to do it God's way, we're going to do it our way doing wrong to others, the injustice that comes on stepping over the weak, the marginalized, the oppressed, the blood of all of that injustice and evil is on the hands of God's people. And he's saying, get your life out of my face. It's disgusting to me because you parade around like you're my people, but actually you, you don't act like it at all once you leave the temple. Bunch of fakers. And then we make excuses for it. It's not like we even own up to it right away. Make excuses for it. And we want to, maybe our impulse is when we're called out like that, when God calls us out like that through his prophets, maybe we make excuses, but then we, we also try to downplay. Maybe we can't totally excuse the thing, but we'll downplay it. We'll tell, tell a narrative, we'll spin it to try and downplay the evil that we're a part of. We'll cut corners when nobody's looking. Look, nope, God doesn't see my pocketbook. He doesn't know how I spend my money. You bet he does. Don't cut corners there. Man, we're so good at that. We parade around as religious people on Sunday. We bring that smile to worship on Sunday, just like Israel did. But God sees us the rest of the week, and he knows the disconnect that we're hiding. And this isn't something new. We didn't invent this, folks. We may be good at it, but we didn't invent this. This has been a long problem. All the while we live in darkness, we come in here and act like we're walking in the light. God rejected Israel's worship because of that. Not because of the worship itself was wrong or not what he commanded. It was actually what he commanded. But he rejected their worship because their lives were not being made holy. They weren't actually living like God's people. Their worship was hypocritical in that sense. 
because their worship had been disconnected from the law, the way that God had called them to obey. And when those things are disconnected, the worship is kind of the easier thing to maintain and you just parade around and fake it the rest of the time. And God's saying, without obedience, your worship is like totally rejected by me. No amount of incense and robes, no amount of parading around can cover up the stench of our sin. Incense doesn't get rid of sin. This was Israel's problem. This, I think, is still our problem. This is my problem. I have this quite often. We parade around and we act righteous, but we're living selfishly and unjustly, and we're co-opted, and we're even sometimes unknowingly participating in like real evil in the world. And we rationalize it. We figure out, like, well, this is the lesser of two evils, or like, this is what works in the world. And so we just kind of justify and reason our way into disobeying God in our everyday lives. And the prophet is saying to us, do you think you you fool God? Do you think he doesn't see? The prophet has come to say, look, no more. No more of this. Verse 16, actually wash yourselves. Make yourselves clean from the inside out. Remove the evil uh, doing from my eyes. Cease to do evil. Just stop what you're doing, this evil. Learn instead to do good. Seek justice. Rescue the oppressed, defend the orphan, plead for the widow. God is giving us three things here in this command. He's saying, number one, stop what you're doing. Cease to do evil. Number two, learn to do something good. Stop what you're doing is not good enough. Well, I'm just going to stop doing that. No, now begin to learn good, what it looks like to live a good life. Number three, set a course for your life that is uh, according to the will of God, the good plans of God. That's, a, that's basically repentance. Stopping, turning away, learning to do good, and setting your life on a trajectory towards Jesus, right? This is what God is commanding us to do. Well, this sounds awesome, and if we stopped here, we would all walk away and go, that was great, thanks, Sean, but that's like way easier said than done. How in the world are we supposed to do that? That's impossible. What if this doesn't work? What if, what if we don't get what we want? What if stopping evil means that we actually have to sacrifice something in our life? What if repenting means that we don't get all that our heart desires? What if it costs us to actually obey God? What if? What if following Jesus now in Austin in 2016 doesn't work in our neighborhood and in the world? Well, Zacchaeus didn't climb down the tree because it was a financially viable option, right? Zacchaeus didn't come down the tree because it worked. Because there was something in it for him that everyone would give him a big pat on the back. He didn't love, he didn't come down the tree because he loved humility. Because he wanted to be humbled. Or because it was the lesser of two evils. Could be worse. I mean, that's not why he came down the tree. Zacchaeus, he caught a glimpse of salvation in the person of Jesus. He saw salvation and and he couldn't help himself but to go to him. He didn't know how it was going to work out. But he came down the tree. He was overwhelmed by the darkness in his own life and he knew that he needed to enter into the life and light of Jesus. He wanted to come out of hiding. As the psalmist said, he wanted to acknowledge his sin before the Lord, before Jesus, so that Jesus could make things right in his life. That's what happened, actually, in the story. Church, we need to heed the prophet's warning. We need to heed the message of Isaiah. God sees the way you live and you're not fooling him. But praise God, 
that you actually, uh, it's not just up to you to just like actually perform better. In fact, you will never ever be able to obey God the way that God requires. And so he has sent his son in your place to obey God the way that God requires. And in him, you have been found good and righteous and just. So when you go out into the world and you don't live good and righteous and, and you participate in injustice, you aren't living like you, who you really are in Jesus. You've forgotten who you are. If our lives today are full of wrongdoing, no amount of incense is going to make that stench go away on Sunday. Only the gift that God gives us in Jesus will forgive that sin. That will set things right in us. We can't fool him into thinking we're good because we parade around in robes or do the things that we do here on Sunday mornings. We actually need to take a shower. We need to, a real bath. That's actually what we're going to be celebrating here in baptism. And this, this baptism tank isn't uh, an example of how we in all of our wisdom have come to the realization that we need a bath and so we're going to bathe ourselves and then God will accept us. No, this is God's work in our lives drawing us to himself through the work of his son despite us, despite the way we've lived and in his grace and his mercy scooping us into his life through the death and resurrection of Jesus. Not through our own efforts, but through the work of Jesus in the death and resurrection we can come to him in the waters of baptism. Jesus was the only one to offer that perfect sacrifice, to match his worship of God the Father with a life of perfect obedience. And we get to enter into that obedience and that worship through him. He is the gateway. He is the one that will set things right. When we come to with uh, repentance, with hearts full of remorse, feeling sorry for what we've done, but, um, but resolving in our hearts to actually live according to the law, live according to the way of Jesus, God hears our repentance and he for, he's quick to forgive us. He's quick to set things right in our lives. Folks, this morning, I want you to hear that through the waters of baptism, because of Jesus, we are set free from this like burdensome, oppressive, we've got to perform and pretend on Sunday and then perform during the week. No, you're actually, you're set free from all of that in Jesus. Through the waters of baptism, you are set free to just follow him because of his grace, not to earn his grace. Through the waters of baptism, you're set free because of Jesus to live with Jesus. Does that make sense? That's like super significant. You can do nothing to cover up your sin. You can do nothing to earn the favor of God. Full stop. You can't. Game over. But in Jesus, you've been redeemed. You've been scooped into his life. And because of that good news, because of that grace that's been given to you freely, costly, but freely, we are set free to live lives that are worthy and holy of God with Jesus by the power of the Spirit. May God show us how our hearts are far from him even when our lips act like we're really close to him. Especially in this season. May, may the Holy Spirit cleanse our lives, not just outwardly, but also inwardly, privately, when no one sees us. May God purge us and make us holy even in those moments and in the ways that we participate in the things in society. May God have mercy on us as we come again to remember our baptism this morning and receive children into the household of God. May we be the kinds of people that show them what it looks like to follow Jesus by his mercy, by the power of his spirit. That's my charge to you today for these kids that we're gonna baptize. I need you guys to get to work in your lives and remember that you are Christ's own by the power of the spirit and you're set free to live and follow him. Amen? Amen. All right, well, stand up, everybody. Let's get to work. 
You're listening to Resurrection South Austin, a community of faith, learning to do life together in the goodness of God. For more information, you can find us online at resaustin.com.